on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Welcome to another edition of the Orient Hour. I'm Simon Cooper, and tonight we are joined by three Orient legends. One's got their phone on. Um, we've got uh, Howard Gould in the studio. Hi, Howard. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? All right, thank you. Good, good. We are joined by a man still dripping in beer after his um, performance in the changing room a couple of weeks ago, Barry Galvin. How you doing, Simon? And turn your phone off, Howard. Hey. <laughs> well, stop calling me, Barry. <laughs> and it's a man... Um, who had over 200 appearances for the Orient. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Over 40 goals. Yep. Uh, product of the youth team. Still on Orient Live, smiling away every week. <laughs> it's Jabbo Ibire. Hello, Jabbo. Hi, Simon. Hi, everyone. So I thought Duck. we'd start tonight uh, talking about uh, last night, the League Manager of the Year Awards. Uh, Richie Wellens won another award. He won uh, Sky Bet League 2 Manager of the Year, obviously. Um, so... How about we start, Jabbo? As an ex-pro, what do you think it is about Richie that makes him so successful so quickly at the Orient? Well, man, congratulations to Richie and all his staff because they've done a fantastic, fantastic job, a fantastic season. Um, I think what I've personally liked about um, Richie, he always called managers gaffer, so I'm just going to call him gaffer, um, is just the fact that the, the, the amazing start they had at the start of the season, which was like awesome, and everyone was just like, oh, "How long is this gonna last?" You know, sometimes it's so good you almost expect, you know, oh, this can't go on forever, forever. But what I found with him, he just kept the tempo, he kept the players' mindset, he never got carried away. You know, everyone, sometimes even even when I was doing some of the games on the live show, I was a bit like, "Oh, I'm liking this, oh, I'm gonna really, you really try and like, you know, think it's gonna go on forever." But what he did, I found, was he just kept the tone, the tempo. Um, so consistent. When people, if they, when they eventually did concede or, or lost a game, it wasn't it wasn't a drama. It was like, yeah, it was going to happen. And he kept. And when you keep sort of like the, how can I say, the tempo and the even kill, win or lose, it was just there. The players didn't get carried away with what they were doing. He kept he kept the training really intense. And I think everything like he kept on saying, alluding to throughout the season, that everything derived from the training ground and how he disciplined them, how they had the tempo, no one got carried away. Um, they 
all got on, but he had a spirit there. And I think even when it weren't going right on the pitch and on, on, on the rare occasion, he said it was all to do with the training ground. It doesn't matter what's happening there. It's what we're doing. The intensity is there. You might lose a game here and there, but I know what I'm seeing at the training pitch. I'll have the confidence. And he just kept that, that message consistent. Yeah. And I thought he really done well. And did you, do you feel like you had that sort of experience in your time as a pro? Like when, when did you feel that sort of environment as well. Can you relate to that? Yeah, I mean, often um, there's certain just, like, I think it comes down to a team for sure. And I think often certain dressing rooms, you just know if you've, if you've got a winning dressing room. And I know it sounds silly, but little key things like uh, the fine school, the fine kitty. And I mean, at times, especially in my younger days, I mean, <laughs> it's to try and dodge playing, playing fines. I think I still owe Lingy and um, John Max some money now. Um, but you just know when everyone's on paying the fines and everyone sort of like um, is, is on, in on time, everyone, you find that in a good dressing room, in a good team, everyone's in the gym. Everyone's on time. When there's a team like that, everyone's out. Often in a relegation kind of team, no one really pays the fine. Three people in the gym, people leave very early, come in very late. And you can just see from when I spoke to a couple of the boys, everyone would just love being in there. Everyone was out together. There's always like a few leaders on the pitch and some would have it in stature. Some would just have it in the way they played and, and the way they handled themselves. And you can just see it throughout that there was just characters through there. There was people in the dressing room, like I said, with the sign of, of Moncur. As, as, as a talented player, he really is. His energy, his enthusiasm within the dressing room was key. You know, he's a funny guy and he's a lovable and has a really infectious character. So I think that was a little bit of a masterstroke as well. And obviously some great, great um, key loan signings. And But I just felt that the dressing room just looked, seemed fantastic and they just had it. They had it from there. Yeah. Um, did you ever come across Richie in your playing career? You know what, right? I, I, um, I did, and, and I remember it like, um, I think I was on I was at Barnsley or somewhere, and he, I think it was at Doncaster or Leicester one time, and he was, he was, he was, a, he was a sharp player. He had a bit about him. He was, yeah. he was very, like, Larry on the pitch, but it was, he, was a, he was a good balling player. But then, funny enough, I didn't realise that when we played in the playoff final for Orient, when we lost to Blackpool, yeah. he was playing. Right, and yeah, I watched of a, I watched a, um, a game back, and I was like, hey, that, that's... The gaffer, and then, but then in that game, there's a few managers there yeah. now. You know, that is Paul Simpson, yeah. then you had Steve Smith has gone on to manage. So you had like a lot of people come from there. I was like, oh, oh these guys, but yeah, I'd, I'd only clocked that only recently that he played. It's a small world, that football world, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, so it's close season, mm. uh, social media's already going wild and mad because nobody's signed any contracts. Mm. But really, I mean, as a player, this is. This is the time you're relaxing, isn't it? Like this is there's nothing to worry about. This is where you're kind of you've gone on holiday. You come back now. You're thinking of right, okay, what's my move? Is that right? Um, well, I think every I think everyone's different. Um, I feel that you know you kind of know as a as a player you kind of know the season you're having, and you can kind of unless you're in um, cloud cuckoo land, you kind of have a, a fair. Um, idea of what's your what's your, your what's your situation going to be come the summer. Um, I would I would often try and have like a really good season. It, uh, ironically, it just seems to be when your contract's running out, you seem to just like you know <laughs> find a little bit better. But you're you're on job, and you, the, the aim I always felt was to play well enough that you have an offer from your club that you're playing for. And then if you obviously have a good season, you're going to have like interest from other people. But then you also kind of got a safety net of, you know, my club has offered me something. I like it here. At worst, I can, I've got an offer from them. 
if I was looking to go up a level, there's interest from higher clubs to just sort of like achieve more at a higher level, then you've got that option as well. Yeah. So I think I would always try and put myself in that position. So I think having a, a, a fairly good season, you can you kind of have a rough idea where you're going to go. But ultimately, when the season's over, you kind of do want to switch off because it is a long season. It, um, there's lots of emotion with, within it. Um, and you go off, you, you, you kind of like let your agent kind of deal with it. That's when they kind of earn their money. Just like, leave me alone. I'm going off with my family. I want to have a break. At the back of your mind, you're always thinking, oh, oh or maybe 10 days into your holiday. Any, 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 any offers? Anything? You've heard anything? <laughs> so you, you, you do kind of, it is there. But ultimately, I was fortunate enough to always sort of have the safety net. And then obviously you have a couple of people that might come in and, and, and offer you things or, or show an interest, but always made it my thing to just always speak to everyone. Yeah. Like you said, it's a small world. Yeah. As long as, cause it, and, it's, and it's fair when people come in and show an interest in you, you, you say, yeah, thanks very much. You feel appreciated. So I always felt, cause you never know where that manager's going to be or, any, or where anyone's going to be. So I always made it, even if I knew I wasn't going to go, to always meet or phone and, and tell them. So you never know that manager could be somewhere else in, in a few years' time. Ah, oh, remember you? Yeah. You spoke to me. You were polite. So I'd always make it my thing to always sort of like speak to anyone who was interested in me. Hi, Chabu. Um, you're saying about obviously good dressing room, which I totally agree with, and you get mm. some bad ones as well. Um, as a player, I know you weren't particularly angsty, aggro, like Richie said, he had a bit of a swagger about him. Mm. If you ever fell out with an opposition player, because you mm. had a few clubs, obviously, mm, yeah, mm, mm. did you ever have to go and join another club where you'd already had a bit of aggro with one of the players there? And how does that work when you get to the dressing room and you know, you, you know, because when I played, I made a few enemies and I'm thinking, I couldn't have joined that club because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been accepted. Did you ever have that situation? Or I know I you're mean, a nice I, guy, so probably <laughs> not, right? But has um, it ever I'm, occurred? I'm, have you ever seen it occur anywhere? Yeah, I mean, I've had a run in. I've had, I had, oh, I not too much detail, but um, I, had, I had a run in with, 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 uh, with someone when I was at, um, at a particular team. And but this was like I was I was there and then we've we've had a little bit of a disagreement and then it, it, it got to like a little bit of fisticuffs. And so a little bit of fisticuffs. A little bit of fisticuffs, but it, it was good. It was it was fine and it, and it was good for the, it was actually good for that environment. I think it was needed. It was something that that was coming at the time. Um, I don't think I've actually gone to a new club and particularly had a real grievance with anyone. But I've definitely gone into a club and not really liked that player and. And honestly, yeah, I remember going to actually a club and then someone's given me some lip in a game, say, a year ago, and I've remembered oh, it's yeah. that. It's that little, that little mm, whatever. <laughs> and I've, I've then sort of not particularly spoke to them. Because there's so many players, if I don't like you, I'm never going to go and, and pretend I'm, we're, 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 we're really good friends. I'll just be like, all right, mate, and just keep it moving. And that's the way I was. I would never sort of like pretend if I liked, if I liked you, I liked you, but I didn't. Be be sort of like courteous and be like, yeah, you're right, mate. But then I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, yeah, just to be professional. But I wouldn't be close enough to him. It's a prime example of that kind of history with Richie and Lawrence Vigor at the start of last season as well, wasn't it? Like, kind of, they went and had a chat and mm. sorted out any history from the past and made it work. You know. Yeah, I think I think it's important. I think if, like, in that in that respect, manager and player, I think that's that's even that's more important than say player to player because when you're someone might play, someone might not start, so you don't really you can avoid each other and stuff like that. But between manager and player, I think it's it's best to for the rhythm of the team and the squad. I think it's best to sort of like sort any issues from that point of view. But within players, you all want to win. You all, you all got to come and go. You want to get to the next league. You want to get to the next level. You want to prove yourself every time. 
So if someone's going to sort of stand in your way or you're going to feel that's going to be detrimental to your progress, then you might have to say something. But generally, you can be professional. Sometimes you don't always get on. There were some players, especially in my younger days, like I didn't do certain things that they would do. And, you know, I wouldn't sort of make my way to do things if they went to do it. So I'd be just like, yeah, you've got to go do it. I'm, I'm good where, I, where I'm at. And I think sometimes you've just got to be headstrong yeah. and do things in your own way as well. Of course. Mm. Can we put you on the spot early doors? Mm. Jarrow. Go for it. What's Paul Smith up to? Is he going to sign for the Orient next year? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, he's in a unique position, and that's a position you kind of you want to kind of put yourself in, if I'm honest. Um, and he's had a fantastic season, he's, he's in, and you know he's he's just that that little extra bit, that little special like yeah. player within the squad. And I I I think why why wouldn't you, if I'm honest? Like you know everyone adores him. He's had a great season. He's improved. The club has sort of like you know been there for him through his injuries, got him playing, and got him like really firing now. And they've gone up. So why wouldn't you want to kind of be part of that journey? You know, with the club, you can understand that if there are higher teams or bigger offers coming in for him, you've gone, it's, it's expected. Um, but I do feel the fact that the club's gone up, they've won the league, and you've seen teams go from sort of League Two to the Championship, you know, it doesn't happen often, but you, you get a crest of a wave, you've got, you got a good squad, you can go on and get that promotion again and, and fire higher. So, you know, if it, I mean, it might come down to sort of financial aspects and, and the packages and stuff like that. And if it isn't too far off from what he's being offered, I, I think it's a great club going in the right direction. Yeah, that's the, that's the difference between the top flight and the and the, and the rest, isn't it? Mm. Maybe not the championship, but mm. in leagues one, leagues two, you're earning mm. a really good wage, and mm. there's, there's no doubt, obviously, it's, it's mm. a good wage, but it's not a life changing wage for one season. Mm. And like, as much as we all want our best players to sign, we're all fans, and mm. we love Smith personally. He's a great guy as well. Yeah, but. If he gets an offer that's, that's kind of double what he's earning here, you can't actually blame him no. for taking it for his family. He's only just had a, had a baby and, yeah. and stuff. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not wanting to see him go like anybody else, mm. but that's the difference. In, in, in the top flight, it's just greed because whether you're earning 120 grand a week or 125 grand a week, what's the difference? So a lot of law, he comes mm. into play there, but it's different with lower leagues, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think, I think it probably works the same everywhere. I know, like, we, when we talk about, like, Top end players and, and and Premier League players, etc. You might say they're a hundred grand, then they get another. They're going to get an offer of one hundred and fifty grand. Still, it's fifty thousand pound more. They have like you know they have family. They have like a lot more family that depend on them that suddenly don't work and they're on their payroll. So they have a lot to pay for. That I think sometimes as sort of like fans and of club we don't really respect that because you think one hundred fifty grand, and you probably view it from the position we're in on not being on one hundred fifty grand. And, and you think that's an amazing amount of money, which is it's an incredible amount of money, but the same thing, they have a lot of people that they're paying for, they're, especially if they're coming from abroad, their family comes over to support them, they're not gonna work, so they're, they're putting money aside. So, I mean, I know of one player who's, who's from abroad, his family's here, and in his house there's eight people living there. You know, and, and he's, the, the, he's like funding them and stuff like that, so they kind of need their money because their lifestyle contributes to that sort of thing. But I do think, especially at, our, at sort of like lower league level, like League One, League Two, maybe champ to a degree. When you're when you're hot, you're hot, and you again, it's a short career, and you know you sometimes you don't, you know, we don't want to wish injury to anyone. But whilst you're hot, you you have to kind of make hay while the sun shines. And I think sometimes we we can be selfish as fans. We want you to stay, we want you to stay, and but we, again, you just want to wish the best for them because it is a short career, and at the same time. If it isn't going well for you at a club, clubs will quite easily go, 
Cheerio. So at the same time, when it, when it's when you're in that position, you kind of have to utilize and maximize your potential, like like anything. Yeah, of, of course. Um, we're gonna before we go on to talk about your career a bit more, Jamo. Mm-hmm. Should we talk a little bit about the Orient next year? Mm-hmm. Um, over four thousand season tickets sold have announced today, which is mm-hmm. good numbers at this stage of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard, what do you feel like Orient need to do to do a job next year and um, sustain? progress well uh, it was all about league one ready players wasn't it uh, that was always the mantra that they were saying so first of all if that, that if that squad is league one ready we're, we're going to need to keep most of them so unfortunately if a couple of the boys as you say like smith who's a, who's a big asset i don't think Viggs. we haven't heard anything from Viggs yet he's going to be a massive loss yeah but like you say, if he gets, if Jabba, like Jabba said, if he gets an offer from Championship or something, as much as he loves living with his family in uh, around the area and he's settled and he loves everybody, you know, sometimes money rules, you know, and, and as you say, his family uh, relies on him. Um, so they will be massive losses. Um, so I think the main thing is to have a squad that, what, what Lingy has said is that we expect... And Ken Teague said, look, we, we don't want a, we don't want a uh, relegation battle. We want to be in that middle third at the very least next season. Mm. Um, the idea is to get the squad that is going to do that. So as we're all waiting, we're waiting for the guys, are they going to sign on? And if they don't sign on, who are going to be there? Who are going to be the replacements? I remember when I first started working in the community with, uh, with Matt Porter, took me on and he said to me, you're going to be excited to meet all the players, which mm. I was obviously. He mm. said, but don't get too uh, intense with them don't don't um, make too many friends he said footballers it's a job mm. and they will move on mm. you know as, as 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 much as you'd like to be all their mates mm. you know they're here for a year or two years and then they go and they're they're doing the same thing somewhere else so don't get too attached and i think that's the thing is when we get a nice squad and a good team you know uh, and then they have to go you get upset all about it but then someone replaces them and you just hope that are they going to be as good as them and this is the issue at the moment you know to say goodbye to Craig Clay for example mm. is a big it's a big tear up you know yeah. it's, it's a shame because I remember when we done well in the National League and then everyone he won't do it any good in the in League 2 mm. and uh, actually did he get player of the year he was player of the year yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really stepped yeah. up didn't he and he's such a nice guy as well yeah. and when you have to say goodbye to these guys mm. it is a shame but it's a revolving door and the next one comes in and that's it so to answer your question it's a matter of what I think it's just got to be the squad isn't it yeah. the management team are in place uh, we're talking about Richie how good he is but I think what Jabbo said was um, all the man management and he doesn't do it all you know mm. he's got the, he's got Paul Terry behind him he's got mm. Matty Harold mm. and others I remember in, do you remember like we had Kevin Deard and, yeah. and, mm. those, and those guys mm. are massive aren't they behind mm. the scenes mm. uh, I saw, I'm so pleased for Deard though that he's gone mm. up with Luton mm. again yeah. and yeah. he actually looks better than he did when yeah, he was yeah. at the Orient doesn't he <laughs> he looks really well but um, you know these guys are so important in the background mm. because uh, the man in management when, uh, if Richie isn't getting on quite some, with somebody Someone else will, Matt Harold will, or yeah. Paul Terry will, yeah. yep. and that's it. And that, you're keeping everybody happy like that, keeping everybody sweet. And uh, with Russell Slade, it was Kevin Nugent mm. and Kevin Dearden, mm. and the three of them were slightly different personalities, and they dealt with people differently. Mm. Uh, Dearden was the joker in the pack. Mm. Nugent was a bit of the could be the tough hard yeah. man at yeah. times, and Russell was the man with the arm around the shoulder. Like mm. when he used to with Coxie, he was he called him his surrogate dad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they all have their part to play. So I think the backroom tar for in, and we know the border there, 
uh, the supporters are there. It's just the squad for next season. Who's going to sign on for us? And uh, who are the new boys going to be coming in? Four or five, I think. Uh, but I, 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 I think we're mid-table already. I think we nothing to be scared of in that league. There's going to be a top six mm. uh, just because of the budget and the size of these clubs. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I definitely think I think we will. Like you, like you saying there, with the the backroom staff and everyone that's already there, I think a lot of it's assembled already yeah. for a good positive season. Um, and 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 what and what's been really good is the recruitment. You know, um, credit to sort of Lingy and the recruitment staff, and because you know some of the players they brought in, um, turns and sadly uh, they were awesome. You know, and even Adrift, he didn't take too long to settle. He was bang, he he was on it. So. I'm very confident if we were to lose those great players, a really good player, I'm confident that the recruitment have shown that they, you know, they know what they're doing, they know the sort of players they can bring in, and I think we'll be confident that we'll be good. What's going to be key is, is trying to maintain the feel-good factor because mm. we've just had a great season. Yeah. Everyone's on a high, mm. and we've sold record season tickets again. We need to hit the ground running and keep the. If we do lose a couple of key players, we need to keep that unity, that you know, the every moment together thing that we've come up with, and we need to keep that feel-good factor rising. It's easily lost in. It's hard won. It's easily lost in football. So obviously the fans have got to hopefully play their part in that. And if we can maintain the the unity and the feel-good, as you said right at the start, Jabo, um, then I think that's going to be key. And even if we win, lose, draw, win, lose, draw for a little while, as long as we keep that. That's uh, siege mentality, and uh, we're not little like in Orient anymore. Mm. We're a good team, we're a good squad, we've got a good manager, and then we'll be okay. Yeah. Carlisle got promoted the other day. Yeah, I was there, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, how was it? <laughs> it, was, it was really good. I mean, I had, um, I, had like, I was going for a clean sweep. Obviously, Orient, Orient did it early doors. And Arsenal were in a good position at, at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, we, we, we when we were top of the league and we were sort of very gassed and we were talking with our chest, all of a sudden City turned up and then it was a different story. So, um, and then and then had Carlisle just bubbling along. So um, two out of three wasn't wasn't bad. And um, it was fantastic. I mean. Um, it really like since I've finished football, I've obviously enjoyed watching the games and being out there. But watching that really brought, um, I really felt like I wanted to be out there. I re- it really hit home. And um, when they scored um, to go to extra time, oh, the way I jumped, I've not moved that quickly in a while. Um, so it was, it, was, it was really good to witness. And um, like I said, two, two out of three of, of, my, of the teams I really like look out for, I, yeah. I, I was happy with that. So it was good. So, yeah, Carlo gone up. Mm. There's some big clubs in that league one as well, aren't there? It's exciting times. Yes, it's it's it's, it's going to be it's a big league. Um, but again, you mean oh, Wickham, Wickham um, when they got promoted, they were up there in that league, and there were some decent yeah. teams then. Yep. And even um, not really sure on Plymouth's budget, but you wouldn't have expected Plymouth to sort of done what the, what they did either. So um, I just think as long as the squad's right and you get the right players and you keep that spirit, because the spirit is important. And like I said, losing people like Craig Clay, sometimes they might not feature as many times as we as he would have liked. But I think his infectious character, his 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 standards, what he's shown, I think you you miss that a little yeah. bit. So he's, he just think it's key to replace um, someone with that work ethic, that sort of like um, you know stature of a, of an individual. I think that's key to replace those those sort of characteristics and I think as long as they get the right characters in that in that dress room, I think they'll be I think they'll be in the mix. I think they'll surprise a few. Do you think in two thousand and six you guys kinda of kept that spirit in the team in the yeah. in the right way? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean 
Um, and like I said, throughout when I started playing for various teams and stuff, you just start knowing when you're in good dressing rooms, you just feel it already, like what you're gonna what you're gonna achieve that year. And it, it comes from just the start of when you walk into the dressing room, the start of pre-season, the way things are organised, sort of the players that have come in. You look around the dressing room, there's a kind of a, a buzz from the start. And then when you see like you start because obviously pre-season is really hard and. You start running together and everyone's in it together, mucking in. You kind of just feel the, the spirit from there. And um, when, when you look at looking at sort of the, the Orient squad going in, I just think get the right characters in there, and I think we'll have a have a really good chance. Um, should we move on to chat about your career a little bit? Yeah, How did you get? We start you started the Orient mm. as a kid. Mm. Mm. How did you How did you get there? And in fact, actually, before we start, mm. I've, a question I like to ask footballers is mm. like. Were you the best kid in the playground? How much better than were you at football than everyone else you were playing with when you were a kid? I wasn't. I was, I was, I was playing um, chess. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, um, no I, I, my thing was athletics, really. Um, we used to have like sports day. Like every primary school has sports day. And I was, I was quite quick at the time. And um, I could run long distance as well. So I had a bit of both. And um, I remember one of my teachers telling me, oh, if you, you, you should like, Get into running, it's really good for the brain and it, and it's, it makes you cleverer and stuff like that. So, okay, let me let me take up running. So, I was more into running a- athletics. That's where I started my sports journey because, if I'm honest, I weren't a youngster who was who thought much about football. I played a lot with my friends, just kicking around, but I never had the mindset of, I want to be a professional. I had zero, in- not zero interest, but I just, it just wasn't my thing. I was just running. And then my bro- my friend's brother decided to, because we used to just play around, but we used to beat all the older boys and we were like, nine years old and we'll just go to a park called Elfhorn Park near Archway and you know everyone will get turned up with the ball and then like come for a five-a-side game and we'll turn up little kids and everyone look at us oh, look at these little weeds and we'll just <laughs> we'll just beat everyone so his older brother decided to put us in a in a um, five-a-side tournament which we won and then there's a couple of scouts there um one was from like an Orient and development center and said oh you should you should come down for a couple of um training sessions blah 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 um, so I did, <clears throat> and then I said I, I used to, I run a lot, so you know I'm kind of enjoying that. So I left that for a little a little bit. Fast forward a year, I went to secondary school and played in my school team. And one of the boys' uncles was the under twelve under under twelve manager, and he was at a game. He again invited me down. So this time I went, had a week's trial, and then and that was it. And I, and I was in. And then even then at twelve, I was just like. This, this is cool. I, was, I used to go down to I think someplace Hackneywick, um, twice a week, and I wasn't again. I was just like enjoying it. I was tall. I was I wasn't as, as big as I wasn't as big as I am now. I grew into, um, but I was just playing, and and then and then it got to about fourteen, fifteen, and that's when it hit home. Then I thought oh, I've got a chance here, and I spoke to Chris Ramsey and met a guy called Paul Brush, and um, really took me under the wing. And said, so if you focus and blah 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 and practice a couple of things, you could be, you could, you could, you could have a chance. And then I knuckled down from there, and that's when you know. I think at, at, at that point, is, I think it's a crucial time. I often tell people when people ask, like, "Oh, what age should my sons play in, and what age should they do this and do that?" And like I said to them, I said that I wasn't. I played football, enjoyed it, but my mindset wasn't. I want to be. It. it was just going with the flow naturally. And then I had all the intensity still in my body to sort of like be very focused come 14, 15. I think when you go in, my personal opinion, if you go in like six, five, six, seven years old, I think that intensity dries by the time you get to 13, 14. 
I think you know the dis- you get dis- the disappointments and then to go again or the injuries to go again. I think it gets exacerbated. And the time you get to fourteen, you're like, oh, I can't be, I can't be bothered. Yeah. I've been rejected. I can't be bothered. When you get a bit older, I think you've got more of that intensity in you. So if you get disappointed, you're still ready to go again. You've got a lot of that stamina within you for disappointment, and I think you can go on. Do you think they overcoached? I, I do now. Do you think you know they pick them up five, six, seven? Yeah. So it could be trolling there, isn't it? And they all mm. get this expectation they're going to mm. be playing in the Premier League. And yeah. That's what you're saying, isn't it? By yeah. the time they get to teenagers, they're they're they're, they're wilted, aren't they? Yeah, they've, yeah, they've yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think often, I think sometimes, like when I was growing, I had like a raw ability. I could just sort of like, I don't know how I would do it. But I could roll someone, turn someone with a bit of something, and I'm gone. No one could coach that. It was just right. what I did. So then, when going to a professional establishment, I learnt sort of like how to look over my shoulder instead of just rolling without looking. That was instinctive they told me to look over my shoulder before you turn. So I started to learn little tips that enabled those natural things to sort of come off more because I'm actually looking and meaning it. So I started to add the professional sort of like mindset to the rawness I had. But if you go in, I think if you go in very early, that natural exuberance, that natural stuff you learn in the park and the street, it's coached out of you to become like everyone else. So I always think, I just try and say, enjoy it just go with the flow if you get to that position and you've still got the hunger to do it then focus yeah. and I think when you go in early especially when you get to not blame it on parents because <clears throat> you know you take your kids you want them to play but sometimes it's, you're, you're taking them the kid really saying to you do, 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 do I want to go yeah. and then when you get to a certain age and then I think you discover other things like parties girls and stuff like that I think if you're very focused and you've got that, still got that hunger and stamina you, you ignore that. If you're if you started very early and all these sort of things come your way and you suddenly oh, I've been football for seven years oh, oh, that's, oh what's this place or who's that girl and then you, your your focus shifts a bit. I was just going to say about that that the age you were saying mm. fourteen is mm. is a time when kids yeah. generally turn and go well actually I don't want I can't do this discipline stuff because mm. I want to go out with my mates and I want to meet girls now yeah. and, and the clubs and all this stuff so. Mm. It's interesting you say that, and, and you manage that discipline. So, uh, I mean, I, I remember working over at Hackney and mm. stuff like that. Um, and unfortunately, that a lot of kids over there, you could see had ability. Yeah. Um, but a lot, a lot of the things are, are as well, and some of those estates is that unfortunately the parents just can't afford, or they can't, you know, they're single parent families yeah. and stuff, mm. and they can't get to the training. Mm. Literally, this mm. is some of the excuses yeah. that the kids would come out with. So, well, my mum can't take me; I can't go, mm. and we'd invite them. You know, I can't, I can't get there. Um, so there's all those issues. So to be strong enough to be disciplined and have a bit of luck, you know, a luck, luck is a big thing with it as well. But I remember Ian Wright saying something that, you know, there's more kids playing on Hackney Marshes that have got more skill than. Half the players in the, in, in the leagues. The, dif- the difference, we say it all the time. I mean, I think the difference between um, being good at football and being a professional has nothing to do with football, has nothing to do with what's at your feet. It's how you, it's, it's there. Yeah. And how you, it's like the amount of people that say, oh, I, I had all the ability, I was bucket if, if I did it. But you didn't do that, what counted, not going out. And it so, sounds so daft. Oh, if, I, if I stayed in, I could. If you stay in, sleep, eat well, you have the energy to play on Sunday, because back then it was a Sunday. So you went out Saturday, people would go out Saturday, yeah, I'll be all right Sunday to play. You're knackered. Just by sleeping and eating the right food, Sunday, I'm fresh. My mate was at Arsenal. He would go out. And he was like, at that age, he was better. 
But I then suddenly, I wasn't on about girls. I wasn't about sort of like, I was disciplined. I would go for extra running. I was doing all that. A couple of years later, I surpassed him. And, 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 and it wasn't nothing to do with what was at my feet because he, he was better at the feet, but I was better there. And, and the difference between, I think, professionals and amateurs is, 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 is that it's nothing to do with, I don't think it's any, anything ever to do with um, the ability. It's just, can you be disciplined enough to bring out your best? Yeah. And I was. And I think, and I think um, in different ways, don't get me wrong, but ultimately I just think a lot of it lies with sort of like your, your discipline, your focus, and I think that takes you further than just your talent alone. Yeah. So when you were in that youth team setup, mm. did you find the leap up? Because you were dedicated and you were fit. Mm. Did you find that leap up tricky or was it kind of, did you feel natural stepping up? I think, I think when, I, when I came into like this, this environment and stuff and then I think when I, especially when I joined my secondary school, there was a lot of like youngsters that were at clubs and like child and all, all these names and I was at Orient so I was felt a bit like oh, I'm at Orient at the time but at the, at the, at the time I just felt because they're, they're a, a bigger name club I just felt a little bit inferior and I just I used to think oh what, what's this person like and then only only once I was there and I see you oh, that much better then what I would do I'd just go and get better I would just get my ball go to the park and if I see like they were doing something that I couldn't do or I wasn't doing I'd just go practice and then and that gave me the confidence because sometimes I wouldn't say I was the most I had real good confidence within. I was never, I was never like a show-offy person, never walked strut, but I knew I'll go do the work and it gave me that confidence that when I was around these guys... You, you never practised shooting then? Ah, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still practising now. <laughs> I'm still practising now. No, that, 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 that got better. That got better over time, you know what I mean? There was a, there was a, there was a few rose Zs, but, you know, you get better. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would just try practice, practice all the time and that gave, that gave me that confidence that when I was around and I went up this step up to all the youth team coming come from, like, say, playing in the streets to playing at a pro club... If I felt nervous, and sometimes you do feel nervous, like sometimes <clears throat> we feel so comfortable at my first touch, and I'd be like, oh, this guy's sharp, or oh, they're coming to at me for not holding the ball up, or something like that. I would then go practice, and then practice, practicing, practicing, practicing. Once I was back in that environment, I just got stronger, better, and then felt more confident, and it was fine. And once you say that's an attitude thing again, isn't it? Again, it's like, yeah, yeah, it was nothing to do with sort of like resting on the laurels of what was at my foot. It was okay. Um, let me just whack the, like I'll go to the coach well, how can I improve my touch or how can I get better at shooting or how can I and I'll ask the questions and I'll just go do it yeah. it was simple yeah. you know that, that, that was it it wasn't rocket science but I was relentless with it and if I felt like I weren't fit enough and even <clears throat> even throughout my career as I got older even when I was like <coughs> um, going fast forward to here a bit but even when I was like um, sort of 28 to 9 30s I still get the same bleep test even up to 30 if I retired the last one I got the same bleep test that I was getting at 26. You know what I mean? I was all, I just, and I, and I always done the same thing if I couldn't, if I couldn't reach that target because you get to know what numbers you need to do in the off season. If I was a week behind, I'd go and do it. I'd go and do it to make sure I'm hitting that marker. By the time I went back, I was just, just consistent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic discipline, Chabba, mm. I've decided. Like, yeah. I, I much prefer, not because you're, you're sitting here and you're an Orient player and we all love you, but I much prefer your type of player, your type of professional that says, I just work, 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 than the Balotelli's of this world, of all the talent in the world, and can't be bothered to, to play only when they want to play. 
Yeah. You know, and I really admire that. Mm. Like, it was like um, going back a long way, yeah, showing me age, but like the Kevin Kagans of this world, mm. he, who was a superstar in the mm. 70s and 80s, he weren't the best player, you know? Mm. He didn't mm. have the natural ability of a, maybe a mm. Letizia or Hoddle or whatever, mm. but he worked, 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 worked. Yeah. And that's where he got to the top, so yeah. really admire what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. But again, I just think most professionals that go and make it, they, they kind of all have that sort of head, but everyone does it in their own way. For me, I, I would have to go to the park, whack a couple of balls against the wall to and then giving my confidence someone might with that does step overs might have to do their own thing to make them feel confident everyone has their way mm. but what they know is that they'll do that to perform and that's what and i think that's what makes you makes you get into that professional realm mm. i think there's those things and other people that have a great ability you see them in the park and do madness with yeah. the ball <laughs> but they just then they'll be down there just drinking yeah. the next day or doing something they're not yeah. they're not doing that and, and i've like i said i've grown up with people that were just um, like by far do um, like so much skill with the ball, but they didn't go on to make it. And I've seen people with that with much less ability, but go and go and go and play in the Premier League. So, you know what I mean? I just think it is, it is about just getting the best out of yourself. We're all different, yep. but get the best out of you. That's so what I say. That attitude thing obviously mm. hasn't changed from, from players who make it and players who don't. Mm, mm, but mm. say you started 2000, around that time, Yeah. finished... A couple of years ago, yeah. over 20 years, mm, like mm. what did change in those 20 years for you as a player? How did football change and how did, how did it evolve? I think I, I, was, I, was, I was always a thinker, if I'm honest. I was always sort of like, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't really like everyone. I, I, was, I was always done my own thing. Yep. And even from, you know, even um, Kevin Stevens, who is a good friend of mine, who come for the youth team, he would always say like, yeah, we used to take the mickey out of you when you're doing yoga. I think I was doing yoga at 18 and yoga's a big thing now, but I was doing yoga then. I was gluten-free ages ago. I try, I was just very aware of certain things and I wouldn't care if I was, I would do it like what I needed to do. And I always tried to sort of figure out for me how I'd get the best out of myself. Um, so I would always just sort of listen or, or watch, watch other sports, um, see what they're doing. And I think I just evolved with the time, and I, and I just and what I tried to do was figure out how. Because at first, especially when I broke in very early, when you used to go in around the first team, I was I used to feel like when you ran the youth team, when you're flying, you felt so confident because you're around your peers. I'd be like, yeah, buzzing. Then every now and again, whew, can't whistle, but someone will whistle over. We need like a couple of a couple of bodies. I used to go, oh, please not be me, please don't be me. <laughs> and Tommy Taylor, jump, jump. Because like, you know, if you give the ball away, you're getting caned. I used to just feel so nervous about that. So again, I was like, okay, if that's how you felt. We need to go. Because I knew how, how it made me feel. I'll go practicing, whatever. Eventually um, understood that and then got a bit more confident around the first team. But it was, a, it was a thing of mine that even when I went away from Orient and went on, it was a thing that, Sometimes I'll go into a new environment, didn't feel the same, or if I weren't scoring as many goals, weren't playing as well, we know what's doing up to. And I just figured my path and how I got the best out of myself. So, and even with eating, things like, used to sort of, as a, as a player, you're supposed to eat breakfast, and then about, what was pre-match, 11 o'clock, 11, quarter past 11 at the hotel, we'll have pre-match, and then four hours before um, kickoff. But I wouldn't, because <clears throat> it didn't work for me, because I ended up eating so much food that come... <laughs> Come three o'clock, I'll be like, I'll be flying in the warm-up, you know, I feel amazing. Quarter past three, oh, I can't move, I'm struggling here. So I just ate too much, yeah. ate too much food, so it didn't work for me. So I would just then load up, I'll start my prep for a game on Saturday, Wednesday night. I'll load up on carbs Tuesday, I mean, Thursday, Friday, 
and and then Saturday morning was just was just a cereal and that was it. I wouldn't eat anything till after the game. So sports scientists will say what are you doing? That's wrong. Blah blah blah. <laughs> my my KMs in the map was almost as much as a midfielder and being a striker. So sometimes, like I said, you have to figure out what works for you because science or this stuff all different. Doesn't mean because you do some weights and someone's muscles might pump quickly, someone else or someone's might not do the same. So I, I just every every year, every season I'll just try and better myself. What did I learn about myself? How could I be consistent? And the only times when when I got a lot older, especially when I went to Carlisle, I just I knew how to play well all the time. And I knew throughout when I got to about when I got to about MK Dons or when I left Warsaw, I kind of figured things out. But it was just, I found, when what I did find for me is that when I was going well and I was scoring, I was doing well, I'd come off the ball. I'm the boy, let me pop out of my mates, let me have a night out. And then it was that sort of pattern of, you doing well, oh, have a couple. When it wasn't, I wasn't a drinker much anyway, but I would just say, have a lot of food relax. and I'll relax. Yeah. And then suddenly you're in the team, you're scoring. And suddenly, oh, didn't score this game. Oh, didn't score that game. Oh, I'm on the bench. And then the, the, the pattern will go again. You fix up again, you're back on it. And it was that, that, that. Eventually when I said, okay, do everything right, blah, blah, blah. We don't take no liberties when we're going well. Again, a bit like Richie with the even kill. Don't go too high, don't go too low. Just keep it constant. If you score, go again, go again. Then you get that consistency. When you get gassed, when you score and take the liberties, you can take your eye off the prize. But I've worked all this out often so once when I did have a bad game I knew it was because of something I did not necessarily because of the opponent and I had that sort of thought in my head that I wish I kind of had when I was younger I got it when I was older then I wouldn't I wouldn't be as nervous as scale I would have probably gone on higher quicker than I did later on so do you feel like it all came together like in yeah. at Carlisle well, I, like, mean, it didn't, I mean it come together after after Warsaw I, I learned how to be, or to tell like when I got to MK Dons, I had um, John Gorman, fantastic coach, really, really good guy. And he taught me a lot and he taught me about consistency and, and, and it was a club where I went to where, you know, we went, and, and the difference in pressures as well, and I often sort of say this when sort of top players go to a top club. And at that time, MK Dons was a big club in League One, we were like going for the playoffs, we were always in the playoffs on top of the league. And what you find is when you go to a club that you're expected to score, you're expected to win, it's a different pressure. You're at a club where if you score 10 to 12, 15 goals a season, no one kind of expected that from you. You kind of, it's whatever. Go to a club where you, you should be scoring. It's a different pressure. And I often say when people go from, say, um, scoring in a team where no one really expects you to score, but it's great. You go, say, Man United and you're supposed to score. It's a different pressure. It's a different feeling. And when I went there, I kind of learned that yeah, you scored three goals in a row, so you score, you score 20, you need to get to 20. That doesn't mean anything. And then I, and John Gorman would say, you need to be on it, you need to be on it. So I've learned, I learned how to sort of like demand more of myself without going off the rails. And then I found that my hold up play, my game became very good. Didn't score as many for the way I, I played, but then later on that I got my goals and started scoring a bit more consistently. But my game was like I could hold the ball up. I could my touch was like really good for the level. I was I, I could I was very reliable and I became a proper 
striker at that point. I thought I found so a lot. A lot of it is psychological, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. It's all in in, in your head. Mm. How mm. you're going to go out? Yeah. You can feel if you're going to play well or you're not going to play well. Yeah. And in your preparation. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So it's interesting because uh, my background was was in uh, uh, gym and mm. stuff like that, mm. qualifications. Mm. So it's interesting what you say about. Yeah. Um, the individual you learn about your own body yeah, everyone yeah. thinks you read a magazine mm. and I need to look like that yeah. I can mm. be like that mm. Mm. and it, it it doesn't work no. to an extent because you are what you are yeah so as you say muscle fiber types and uh, some guys will have big muscles yeah. some won't mm. short long muscles you know yeah. uh, uh, long distance running yeah. compared to sprinting yeah. Yeah. you're an individual yeah. food is very important yeah. as you say mm. and when I learned that I couldn't eat when I played um, my average uh, time of digestion was mm. an hour and a half. Okay. So I knew if I had two hours, mm. towards the end of a game, I was gone. I yeah. had no energy. Yeah. Mm. Or if I left it for too late and mm. I ate too near the game, I yeah. feel sick during yeah. the game. Yeah. So, yeah, you learn about yourself. So it's yeah. really interesting. As you say, the psychology of your own body yeah. as well as your teammates, mm. if, you're, if you're happy with yourself and you know, you, you play better anyway. Yeah. But I think that goes in life in any job, doesn't yeah. it? It's, it's if you're happy with your with your own mind. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, and so. I think that's how football has changed over the times that we're saying that your first question because it's become much more individualised. Whereas when I started out, you know, all the sessions was everyone would do it. Mm. We all do the same thing. You know, we all eat the same, and I think especially higher up and, and as it's evolved, you know, you know, we have the heart rate monitors, everyone has the different, because everyone's loads different, we all weigh differently, so my, I might max out quicker than someone else might max out, but now they have all the data reading to sort of like know, I remember being at MK Dons and some people, well, some players were particularly in the red for a couple of days, they'll just go for a walk, they won't train today because they've done their load already. So with all the data that coming with the science, we got more individualised and you had more sports scientists coming into the game where people do different weights now. We're not all doing 20 kg arms or something. I never needed to do it. I just done press-ups and stuff and I used to go to the coach, I don't need it. I do the lightest weights, but I'm stronger than everyone. And so that's, and that's you know, it got more individualised and I felt that made things better because we are all different. I'm assuming we'll be doing the same same things it's, a, it's the same with food as well isn't yeah. it? intolerances now everyone is aware of different mm. things and how mm. pasta can work or for some people can't eat can't yeah. eat wheat yeah. at all 100%. so they have to you know so as you say yeah it's, yeah. it's really individual now yeah and yeah. i think that makes it a better, yeah, a better a place and doesn't put people under pressure to yeah. sort of like be the same as maybe someone else because they're doing it and you might it might not work for you so i think i think that's it's good that that's kind of come in and it's and, it, and it's and it's changing but i think you just take out of it the world changes, which is good. Change is good, but you just take what out of it what works for you. Yeah. Don't always have to change because some things ain't broken. Yeah. So I'm a bit of like, certain things, the ducks are dark. If it works, it works, it's fine. I don't need to reinvent that. But if I can take a little bit of some some new invention or something new, I'll take a bit of that and add, it to, add, add that to my arsenal to become a better person, hence become a better player. So, yeah. I watched um, your interview with Martin Ling on the Orient okay, YouTube. Yeah. Mm. And I don't know if, if everyone's not watched it, you should. It's a really good interview. It was on a couple of weeks ago they posted it. It's an hour long. It's like 55 yeah, minutes, isn't it? Yeah. And it felt like you and Martin had a real connection and you still do. And yeah. it feels like he played quite a big part in your career. I mean, he was there early and then he yeah. was there, he was your manager yeah. and it feels like you've still got a connection and it feels like he means, you mean quite a lot to each other in many ways. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's the unique thing with one maybe coming through at your first club, but I think it's a unique thing with Orient. I just think like, 
even the, the the guys that we got promoted with, we all kind of still stay in contact, still in this WhatsApp group from 2006, and we always like you know celebrating things or good banter within, and you know, and and with the gaffer, like I said, I didn't even know one of the things he spoke about in that interview, saying like, you know, Tommy Taylor wasn't so sure giving me um, the contract or something like that, and he and he kind of thought like back my corner and it was like oh is that so right I was like but um yeah so he 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 really had my back and he was really good with the with the younger players and obviously he's you know we had a good season that helped promote his his like um, status within the club but he looked after us and you know because some managers it does happen like you know you 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 do well in the youth team they get promoted and they kind of been the, forget like the youth team players but he did bring us through, looked after us, we were like part of his boys, he was, he was happy to see us go on and I have so much admiration and respect for him, you can, you can still see it to the day, I still call him Gaffer, but even call him like Martin, you know what I mean, I'm very respectful for him and, 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 and grateful for him, so yeah, he played a good role. Great. Who was your best strike partner, Jabbo, at Orient? Put you on the spot. I don't, I'm not going to ask you worst, because I'm not going to embarrass you, <laughs> but I'm going to say, who would you prefer playing with up top? If it was a two. Um... So. I think I learnt a lot <clears throat> from the two I say, um, Lee Still, <clears throat> although I did more of his running, um, <laughs> but um, Lee Still and, and Steve Watts, because Steve, Steve, Steve Watts was, he was like a, a really good guy and he was a bit of a mentor at times and he, he spoke Brand to young. Really good looking guy as well. Yeah, 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 I mean, he, 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 could, he could score goals, but then he, he was a, on and off the pitch anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He's a natural scorer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He had natural instinct. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I um say like Garrett Zion was 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 good, but I think I had much more of a connection, and they sort of helped me and gave me some good pointers. And Steve Watts was one of those. And um, <laughs> funny enough, he was. And 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 um, Lee Still, Lee Still, yeah, my favourite favourite. Now, um, I've been reading Barry Hearn's autobiography, mm. right? Came out in paperback, I didn't buy it in hardback. Um, but, Jabbo, mm. did you know that mm. you feature? Oh, maybe slightly, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Right, I'm going to read the quote here, right? Okay. Cause it, so, picture the scene mm. um, Oxford 2006, yeah, yeah. it's two all. Okay. Um, the Grimsby results just come over. Martin Ling's on the sideline saying, everyone, defend because we're going to go up here. Just mm. defend. Don't let a goal in. Mm. This is what Barry Hearn says, right? Okay, I've, I've written this out. <laughs> okay. The Orient players took no notice but went on a kamikaze attack with less than 30 seconds of injury time to go. Matt Lookwood passed up to Gary Alexander, mm. who passed to Jabo Ibire inside the penalty area. Jabbo decided he didn't want the responsibility of scoring the winner <laughs> and let the ball through to Lee Steele, who poked it past Billy Turley in the Oxford goal. <laughs> No. How do you respond That's to that harsh. allegation? On one of my most famous assists I've uh, ever read. That's harsh. Harsh, it's harsh. To be fair, I mean, when I looked at that goal back, I actually... Was it was that 2-2? Two, two? Was that three to scored 3-2? That was the first third goal, yeah. I don't, think it, I don't think it transpired like that quite so much because if I remember... It's got cleared and I've knocked it up the line. Yeah. I think then Gary's ran onto it and then... If Steely missed it, I was there for a tap. He could he could have squared it back to me for yeah, a tap. Right. I don't think I don't think 
it was me dentist so to be it was, fair it, was it wasn't a pass to you you were nowhere near it yeah, yeah, Barry's having a dick just, yeah, exactly, he's exactly having a dick, dick. <laughs> no but I think I think it, went, it fell to the right man you know what I mean <laughs> 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 at, that, at that point I don't know where at, 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 that, at that moment what, what I would have done but um, no you'd have scored you'd have scored you would have scored but um, no I, 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 <laughs> but no I, I was happy to have a contribution in whatever way I did and it was just like I said fun, fantastic a great moment and like I said they don't come round often often so when you do you, you are involved in it it's special man it stays with you forever yeah. so it's good was that good. one of the, your greatest moments playing football yeah 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 I mean it, it, it was a fantastic moment and like I said years on you go back to it and you're like especially with now technology you can see through like YouTube and social media you get to embrace it and feel it a lot more and it pops up every now and again and you know fortunately I was I've got to be in a few sort of playoff finals and, and close to those situations so it's come it's come come about a couple of times but I mean like I said they don't come around often so you really, really it's a real honour and it's a real privilege and it stays in the history, you know. Yep. And, and like I said, when whenever I come back, you know, I'm well, I'm greeted, I'm welcomed and I'm just very grateful for it. So fantastic. Well the best thing at Stevenage away this year was when you walked past the crowd <laughs> and everyone was chanting Chavo, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was the highlight of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're too kind too kind but no it, it, it's, it's great and like I said I think it does for some reason for Orient just holds that special place it's just a special club I think even from you know even when I go back now and I've or in the in the previous years and I've gone with other teams and I still see like some the same stewards that were there when I was a kid you know they're still there they're still part of it because people don't just come they come to stay and they feel part of the you know the spirit and the vibe and the atmosphere and I just think it's just a special club I'm not sure if it's because I've come through as a kid but I just think it's just a special place and I, I see it with the amount of people that were like, a lot younger then that are still there now with the same passion and, and, and the same will for the team to do well so yeah great place So what is next for you Jabari? What's the, what's the plan for the next five years? The next five years I mean um, we managed to start like a, an academy which is going quite well um, just do, do like a showcase academy based over in West London Uxbridge and in Stonebridge Park and we've got a link to Brentford Football Club that we kind of like um, get some players into and I really enjoy doing that at the moment especially um, so I, I run it with, an, with another professional player and we've in our first year we've turned 17 players pro Wow, and um, what, what, what I love, love about it is the fact that I think, you know, you can, we were good role models, we were good professional people when we, when we played. It's nice to sort of give, give that back. And even if we don't help them to become professionals, we help them become better, better human beings and better people. And, and it's nice. I, don't, I think that's, that's lacked in the communities, especially where I grew up. There's no more pictures. There is, there's no more sort of like play centres. And that sounds dumb, but I think, you know, when there were centres, it was a place where everyone would go maybe once or twice a week and you had some adults, the people that were in and around the area that would kind of guide you if you were going off the rails. And I think it's lost now and then become kids become idle and then get into trouble. So having this academy that we've, that we've set up now, um, mainly for like professional players and stuff, but we can then expand that to grow, that we touch sort of grassroots, give people that sort of format to sort of, have a guide. I would love to sort of make that bigger and bigger. Um, and then we have also a recruitment company that sort of we filter the players into other professional teams and we're just growing that business. And so, yeah, so it's just going to all be around sort of football. Um, so hopefully get better punditry and, and do a bit more of that as well. But it's all going to be rolled around football, but definitely stuff more for the community because I just feel like 
things have changed and it's just nice to see those sort of pillars in the community or those things back again because I just think it's lost and it's quite nice to have kids to have a, a bit of a guide and to come out and to have good aspirations to get on with, get on in life. So. And what's it called? Finish, finishing Touch Football. Great. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned media as well. Mm. So you want to do more of that? Yeah. Is it the glamour? I mean, we are we are in the Phoenix FM studios here. Is it is it the glamour of the media that attracts you? Yeah, I, I, I just think it's something that you've kind of the, the glamour. It's yeah, so glamorous. <laughs> no, no, but I just think it's um, you know you've, I've played it for such a, such a long time, and I think it'd be a shame sometimes for some like when players sort of walk away from what they've sort of invested so much um, of their sort of passion and spirit and. And it'd be just nice to sort of like keep sort of bringing the knowledge, keep being in the game and learning how it changes and how it expands and, you know, and, and, going, with, and going with the new time. So, yeah, definitely something I'll, I'll want to get better at and get more into. Um, thank you very much, Jarrow. It's been lovely talking to you. Before we go, we've got a couple of things to mention. Um, our sympathies go out to O Supporters Club chairman Dave Dodd and his wife Maureen on the loss of uh, Maureen's daughter, Michaela. Obviously, condolences from everyone in Orient Hour. Um, a couple of more parish notices here. Um, renewals for season tickets, it says extended till Wednesday the 7th of June. Um, and then 7th of July is the Billericay friendly, as well as some other friendlies have been announced and um, dates put in. There's Bishop Stortford. Who else is there? Help me out here, lads. Spanish trip. Spanish trip, yeah, everyone's going. Is there no? Charlton something or another? Charlton something, yeah. And Ebsfleet, yeah. yeah. Remember those pictures? Remember we played Tately? There's all these other like, Essex teams used to play. Classic. Were you a fan of uh, pre-season friendlies, Jabbo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that was, that's the only thing I don't miss about not playing anymore is pre-seasons. As much as like uh, it's so good for your body and it sets you up for the season. Oh, that's the, it was the worst, the worst time. So I don't, I don't miss them though. No, I don't miss them. But it's, it's good. It's good to see where you're at and 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 get to gel with your teammates and stuff like that. But the running. And that hot, them hot weather, the first couple of games, you're oh, dead. Yeah. yeah, you're dead. Like I used to, um, the first sort of one or two pre-season games, as soon as you do like a long burst and run, you look at the gaffer. Because you, know, you always knew you're only going to play like one half, what first half or second half. You always wanted to be like the first half team, so you get it, you're on and you're off. Like, yeah, you get it. yeah, yeah. Queen's rock hard. Yeah, yeah. Your lungs are done. horrible, yeah. You're looking at another player going, you, you finished team. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't gotta do it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to do it. It sounds like you were the sort of person who wouldn't have been that unfit over the pre-season anyway, though. For some reason, the the first I was always I would work hard, but no matter how hard I worked, the first two games I couldn't move. The third game, my lungs kicking. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, and that's all right. So it's always dread. I used to dread it. Used to dread it. Well, I think that is time up today. Um, Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Barry. Thank you, Jabo. Thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Um, We'll be back next week. Um, I don't know who's in the studio next week, but I'm sure it'll be brilliant. Um, And that's it from us. Goodbye. This is our club, we are proud So sing it up, sing aloud We were formed in 1881 The claps and Orient had so begun 
Brentwood and Billericay. This is Phoenix FM News.